0: Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Uh,
1: ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome. I'm delighted to have you here discussing this topic, poverty-proof, how to train your brain for wealth and this is one that's very close to my heart. I speak on a number of different topics, some to do with innovation, some to do with corporate ideas, but this is one I feel very strongly about. Because when I grew up, my family and I went through not desperate poverty, but what you might call intermittent poverty. And intermittent poverty is this idea that you're generally doing okay, you're staying in a a middle-class neighborhood, but from time to time the bottom falls out and things get a little scary and it's little things that give you away when you're going to a school in a moderately wealthy area but you are the odd one out. For example, when you start, the end of your blazer is, uh, is down here somewhere, and that's day one at school, and a couple of years later, your blazer is up here because it's the same blazer and you've had to make it last. And there are other little things as well. The, um, the kids in my neighborhood, their parents would come and pick them up in these high-end Mercedes Benzes and BMWs, and they would waft up onto the pavement and open the door and expensive air would escape out into the world. And for us it was nothing like that. My dad drove an old, beaten-up, broken-down Peugeot 504 station wagon. You remember those ones? Yeah, they used to live forever, uh, except when they would break down in front of the school pretty much every afternoon. And some of it was comical, but some was a bit more serious. I can recall when I was about 12 years old, we went through a a really bad patch. And I had a younger sister, Lart Lamaki, She was born when I was 12. And there there was one winter where we had the power cut off and simply had to go to bed early every night because there was nothing we could do to get it reconnected.
0: And that are some of the experiences uh, that uh, Douglas Kruger had as an international speaker and a business author. So clearly, he's well versed to tell us how should we be thinking rich or poor and uh, how can we train our brains for wealth? Let's welcome a team guest, uh, Douglas Kruger. Douglas, thank you for joining us. Good evening.
1: Patricia, it's a great pleasure to be with you, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you got in safely to the studio through uh, through whatever ordeal that it, it was that you faced. I, I've done a little late-night broadcasting myself, and uh, I know it can be scary getting to the studios at night, but uh, glad to hear your voice and that you're okay.
0: My goodness, it's not just scary. Sometimes it's overwhelming with what we have to face <laughs> because, yeah, no, I don't want to get into it right now. <laughs> I've just sure, managed great. to calm down with the music. So, Douglas, great. we're listening to your clip, and your 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 uh, you know inspirational speaking and uh, clearly your business um, ethos and how you talk to business people comes from w- your personal experiences and hence you are the best person to give us an understanding on how to train our brains. Because most of us, especially now, with fuel prices having gone up, with electricity prices having mm. gone up, basic services from the municipality have gone up. So literally every, everything has gone up, including the food. And most of us, uh. all we are seeing are red flags of poverty. How can we train our brains?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it is worrying if you uh, you look around South Africa and uh, people are rightfully concerned about it. Uh, And and as you suggest, it started off as a very personal journey for me. Um, What I then did was I I didn't want to live according to uh, cliches or motivational slogans. I, I really wanted the the economic version of what actually helps people out of poverty. What how do people get locked in these generational cycles of poverty in the first place? And what can they act upon personally in order to escape this? Now, of course, it's a a very complex picture. It factors in things that our governments do, that our societies do, but a great deal of it is under our control. And I think perhaps one of the, the more important things for South Africans to hear this year, as we worry about rising levels of poverty, is this thought can come as something of an anchor in a storm, something of a ballast. And it helps against the gloom. The the principle is to remember um, that poverty is not a living or sentient thing. It doesn't have a plan and it doesn't go around doing things to people. Uh, In fact, it's actually a little odd when we talk about rising levels of poverty as though it were some sort of an active and malevolent thing. Instead, the, the principle to remember, and it really is quite important in terms of how you go about changing your own life is that poverty is merely a default setting. It's a starting point. All nations, all societies, all peoples, at some point in the past, started at zero. When it comes to solving the problems of wealth and prosperity, zero is therefore not important, it's not a a, a thing to study, rather what we should keep our eyes on, what we should learn, what we should study, is the how of building, of growing, of creating prosperity. Um, And I think in in a strange way that is comforting during difficult times, this idea that poverty is not a sentient thing, it's simply a default setting, don't fixate on on the zero point, on the default setting. Instead, keep your eyes on the simple principles of financial growth and on what you can control. I think that's a, that's a good starting point for us this evening.
0: Sure. But how, you know, when things are so difficult, how do you keep your mm. eyes on the point? You know, the, the point that says, I want control. I do have yeah. control. I want to um, see things in a better light. How do you do so when you have perhaps lost your job um and and, and society and everything else around you is just weighing so heavily
1: yes and it feels so personal at the time and of course our our sense of anything disastrous is that that this has never happened to anyone else it is monumentally important and um and obviously we get this sort of disproportionate sense of, of disconnect from the rest of the world as though such problems had never been solved in the past and that that is very human i think something that helps to give a great deal of perspective is to study groups of people who have gone from abject poverty to to, uh, either to prosperity or even, in fact, to to extreme wealth. Um, And that's one of the things that I've tried to sort of study and follow and document in the the various books that I've written on this topic. And just one one example, and this is quite a profound one, is at the turn of the last century, a, um, a group of Jewish immigrants came to the United States of America. And at the time, they constituted the poorest of the poor of the immigrant groups coming into the United States. Um, They had something like an average of $9 per, per person. And of the immigrant groups from around the world, they were financially the poorest group. And within a few short decades, they went to being not just prosperous, but the single wealthiest demographic in the wealthiest nation in the world. And I think what's important about that story is that it did not rely on government intervention. In fact, it had nothing to do with the government around them. What these people did was they took a set of values, and it is the values and the behaviors that change everything. We sit in a situation in um, in South and indeed in, in Southern Africa, where we are massively affected by political decisions and, and sort of societal uh, forces that are beyond our control, but there is something liberating to understanding the idea that our wealth is not dependent on a government, um, and in fact in the, um, the newest book with Penguin, uh, simply titled How to Grow Rich, I actually have a couple of chapters where I go on a, an extravagant rant about how governments are quite possibly the very worst thing that can happen to the growth of personal wealth. So step number one there is to divorce in your thinking the idea of your family's prosperity from notions of the government doing something about it. Governments don't solve poverty. In fact, in many appreciable ways, they, they tend to make it worse. It I, I, is up Douglas, to us, I want, our behaviours.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I want us to, to hold it there so it can sink yep. in because that's almost the blanket approach and mentality across the globe. If the government cannot help us, we are going yeah. to be stuck in abject stuck. poverty. If the things go up, it is the government's fault. Government help us. So let's let mm. that first point sink in. Take a quick break and we'll be back after this, a teamers join in on the conversation. We are speaking to international speaker and business author Douglas Kruger. He's not only that; he is a fellow radiohead. So yeah, one one. Once upon a time, he was behind the mic and he was doing exactly what I'm doing around the same time at the exact same place. So call in. He is well versed to assist us. 011 714 or 0614 104 107. That's where your WhatsApps go to.
1: Late night conversations,
0: Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social conversations. We're speaking to uh, Douglas Kruger, international speaker and business author. Uh, Thinking rich or poor? How to train your brain for wealth? This is our Mindful Wednesday feature. Um, A teamers, before the break. So Douglas was uh, telling us about some of the steps that we need to follow. Step number one: divorce the thought of the government is going to help me or my family background is uh, this and that way we are going to go back to Douglas and I'm intrigued to find out from you how you think you can change your mind your brain and stop thinking poverty and start thinking wealth Uh, Douglas let's continue
1: Okay, so just to to point you in the direction of some useful info for that idea of government reliance, uh, there's a stunningly good book called The Tyranny of Experts by a man named William Easterly. Um, And what he's done is he's collated all of the, the, shall we say, the studies globally over the decades on strong central governments with bold social plans to eradicate poverty. And nation by nation, step by step, decade by decade, he shows how in every case a government wanting to do something about poverty ends up actually increasing poverty. Uh, And typically what they do is they they remove freedoms, they increase regulation, they discourage business, they increase taxation. Now, from the government's perspective, and of course, this is the thing that you and I can't control personally, what you actually want to do is reverse that formula. You want to increase freedom, uh, decrease regulation, encourage business, and decrease taxation. But, you know, run that one by your local government and see what sort of reaction you get. So those those ideas are out of our hands. Those are the, the sort of the meta-level wealth notions that can lead a nation to or away from broad-scale prosperity. The question then becomes, what is in our hands? And over the course of, gosh, I think now four books on this topic, if you had to... Uh, pin me down in a corner and say you've got to give us the most condensed version of this you possibly can in fact if you challenged me to bring it down to two words that would change wealth scenarios i would give you these two words the words are values and excess now let me just unpack those very quickly in terms of values this is who you are as a human being and who your family is in terms of supporting your your wealth efforts There are three top values that globally make the greatest difference to your wealth trajectory. That is to say, whether you start moving upward or start moving downward. Now, this is not the same thing as saying, these things will make you a Jeff Bezos or or an Elon Musk. They're simply saying, Whatever level you're at, the the degree to which you act on these values will start to take you up or start to push you down. The first one is mind-blowingly simple. It is just your work ethic. Work ethic turns out to be the number one value in terms of an upward or downward trajectory in wealth. And it it is that obvious and it is that simple. We can unpack that in, in great detail, but with the work ethic, you're on the right track. Without it, you're not. Um, The second one is perhaps a little politically incorrect to mention, but um, it, it happens to be true worldwide, which is faithful maintenance of a family, which is to say, don't get yourself into a situation where you are effectively wedded to the state to support your family. Faithful maintenance of a family is actually one of the determinants of a demographic of people who are either on an upward or a downward trajectory, and it is measurable globally, which is quite an interesting one. And the third part of that values one is just a simple desire to improve yourself. We talk about education as being so important, and it really is, but often it's not, it's not even a matter of necessarily getting into a varsity or, or getting the piece of paper. It might be as simple as soft skills. Uh, Forbes, for example, listed public speaking as the number one skill investment if you want a wealth return on anything. So just to, to state that differently, if there is one skill above any other that translates directly into money, it is learning the ability to speak and present in public. It's the heart and soul of leadership. So the first of our two keywords was values. The second keyword is excess. All wealth is simply excess. Um, in the Rich Dad, Poor Dad books, he, he presents a very simple but but um, very useful formula, which essentially says, if there is more going in than coming out, you are getting richer. If there is more going out than coming in, you are getting poorer. Uh, it's brutally simple. It, it is undeniable, and it works. So there are things you can do with that, which is to say, if you are aware of your numbers and you know that more is going out than coming in, You must make a change. If you're not able to grow the part coming in, you have to diminish the part going out and vice versa. All wealth building efforts are really just magnifying those ideas. We can take work ethic into clever and strategic realms and do all sorts of things with it that that start to generate millions and billions. Um, And we can take things like the, um, the simple idea of excess and turn it into clever ideas around saving and multiplying your money and so forth. But that's what it really boils down to it's you your values and behavior and whether or not there is anything left over that's wealth in a nutshell
0: let me go to some of our a-teamers so this is a very good evening and uh quite a long time since i've actually uh, tuned in
1: Missed show, you, Sander.
0: Busy, but yeah so i'm listening to your show he's got a great voice by the way and yeah, yeah i'm interested in the topic and the whole idea of how people can begin to mobilize and uh, use values to actually uh, build wealth. I'm listening with a keen interest. Asanda molose Parkley uh, East. I've missed listening to your voice as well. Good to hear from you, Sibonge. Thank you, Asanda. A uh, question here Dudley. from uh, Benna in uh, Middleburg in Pumalanga who says, Please ask Douglas, how do we not involve government in our path to prosperity when we pump mm-hmm. in tax into their coffers?
1: yeah yeah absolutely and here here's what i have to speak around very very carefully the the number one threat to your personal wealth by far is taxation and again that may not be a politically correct thing to say but when you sit down and start to think about it um your average salary and of course it differs in different places around the world and at different sort of wealth brackets um, but your average person will pay over the course of their lifetime anything from 25 to well over 50 percent of their income in tax. So that is to say, anywhere between a quarter to half of what you earn over the course of your life just goes directly to government before you even see it. And one way to really open your eyes about that one is to (laughs) spend spend a year working. And when you get to June, July, you can look up and say, right, I've done my work for the government. Now I can start working for myself. Now, of course, you can't evade taxes, but of course, but you can be very clever about how you interact with them. Um, people often have a go at the likes of Amazon for, as they, they call it, not paying their, their fair share. It turns out that what Amazon does is they structure their business very cleverly. They invest in new things. They grow new things. They invest in training and all of that reduces the tax burden, but yes, absolutely. and, and let's, let's say it straight in terms of wealth building tax is your number one enemy.
0: Hmm, Straight. Clear, precise, tax is your number one enemy, but one that you can't uh, evade or avoid. I'm going to no, ask No, but you
1: it to... is one that you can negotiate, and that's worth remembering. <laughs> you can <laughs> start, negotiate. Start a simple thing, just keep every slip. Um, that, that is a very, very simple starting point. Anything that you do that is business-related, keep the slips. Your accountant can work magic with them.
0: Douglas, I'm going to ask you to please graciously stay with us. We're going to quickly go mm. to the news, and uh, when we come back, uh, we'll be able to continue with our conversation very gladly let's go to the 11 o'clock her final bulletin for the day with Mudupi Mahalimela Ola
1: Monday to Thursday 10pm till midnight night, night.
0: Social conversations. As we continue with our uh, Mindful Wednesday feature, how to train your brain for wealth, um, we are going to continue speaking to Douglas Kruger, who's an international speaker, uh, business author, and a radio personality. I mean, once you're on the air, you are going to be a radio presenter for the rest of your life because that's one of the things you do absolutely well. It's 104 to 107 nationwide, seven minutes after 11 here on SAFM Late Night Conversations. You can call in on 011-714- 2006. And uh, yes, we will still be having our closet conversations no matter what happens, but we'll do it straight after we conclude this conversation. On the line, I've got a team Peter. Good morning. Ah, Good, good, morning. Evening. good ah, evening. Peter, you and I, I mean, I've yeah. got an excuse. <laughs> I was traumatized before coming to the show. What's yours? Good day, good day. I'd like to have a, uh, a question for Douglas. Douglas, I would like to know, the thing is, I'm a truck driver currently, and I'm so my plan is i want to retire within five years time but now i keep on having ideas of businesses that i want to start but at the same time i'm the breadwinner at home i'm the oldest so i have to do things at home before i can start my own business and my mind keeps on changing it feels like i'm not getting by to do the things i haven't approached a financial advisor yet because that's actually my plan because i don't know uh, the salary that I'm getting is good enough to keep me alive, alive and for me to start something, but I end up spending. Oh, we've lost Peter there, but I think we've got oh, the gist of us. Uh, Douglas, please yeah. come in. How can we help Peter?
1: Okay, no, absolutely. I, I think um, anyone speaking about wanting to retire in five years and uh, who is at the stage where they're still talking about potential business ideas uh, may find that there are some, some hard years ahead. Nevertheless, it is entirely possible to, to earn a great deal from your own business over a short space of time. The um, the stats show that the, the majority, in fact, of the world's millionaires and billionaires alive today are first generation business owners. So in terms of the approach to life that is most likely to bring in large amounts of wealth. Certainly running your own business is the, the way to go. I think what, um, what, a, what a great number of aspiring entrepreneurs tend to overlook is they they simply don't learn the basics. I mean, there, there are very simple things that you need to know and to do when launching a business. We could cover them in minute detail, but possibly the, the quickest and easiest way to get this sort of education is to watch a couple of episodes of a show like Dragon's Den, Um, one of these ones where people pitch business ideas to experienced business leaders and they get this immediate feedback saying have you considered this do you worry about the other what is your plan for and you very quickly start to see what matters when you're launching a business Um, and it's amazing how many simple things catch people out time and time again i read a, a stat recently that said of the businesses, the the new startup businesses that fail, some thirty to forty percent of them fail because someone inside the business stole from the business. Now, here we're not talking about casual pilfering. We're talking about, for example, your uh, the person running your books. Um, uh, ste- stealing from the business, and the fact that it, it the stat is so high that it's as much as say 30% of businesses failing for that reason, shows us that most people do not believe it will happen to them and do not see it coming. So I think one of the most profound things you can do in starting out in a new business is just to find out what typically goes wrong, because the things that do go wrong happen over and over and over. But unfortunately, it catches most people as a surprise. Um, the book that I wrote for people like our last caller is, um, is is the follow-on to Poverty Proof. It's called Poverty Proof for Entrepreneurs. And that's where I share things like that idea um, of 30% of, of businesses failing because of theft and so forth. And I point out what goes wrong and what aspiring new business owners tend not to think about. Now thereafter, our caller mentioned that he does have a day job that's not bringing in a lot of money and he's playing with ideas around the edges. I will just say, because we we have to be honest about this, it requires massive inputs of time and energy. Now, that's not an off-putting thing. It's just a reality check to say that if you you have to wake up early, if you have to work late nights, you may have to put in those hours to get it going. Um, And that's simply one of the things that you need to understand. Now, what you want to do is to exponentially multiply the effectiveness of those hours by understanding what works and what doesn't.
0: Now, you know, the one thing that also we, we can't ignore, especially in these trying times economically, um, is what Peter said, that, you know, he he does have a day job. And mm, yeah. with this day job, he can survive day to day and he can look after his family. But uh, his mind is always being drifted away from the business ideas. Yeah. So how can he channel his mind to to stay put on that business idea but still be able to fulfill his uh, daily duties at the current job that he has because he can't just let go of it.
1: Yes, it's a, it's a tricky one, because if you have several ideas, you then you are going to have to winnow it down to the one that is the most commercially viable, if that is your goal, if your if your goal is simply to become wealthy. And then you've got to maintain focus on that one. Um, and here, I think, just off the top of my head of the, the myth, um, and it really is a myth of, of the starving artist. And this is one I, I write about in the uh, the most recent book. Um, the idea of the starving artist comes to us from one particular French author who made this sort of romantic idea out of uh, characters in France who were both creative and starving. And it's kind of stuck in the public consciousness. In reality, it is entirely possible to take your passion, your art, your the pursuit that fires you up the most and make wealth out of it. However, the, the provisos are, one, you have to treat it as a business, which means intense amounts of focus and creative people can be bad with this one, they they don't necessarily want to deal with the nuts and bolts of constructing a business around it. Um, And there are several other things that you can do to take your, your passion, your art, your hobby, whatever it is that lights you up and make it a commercially viable idea but the the underlying rule there is that you have to be serious about it and treat it as a business if you are dabbling with it as a hobby you can safely assume it is never going to translate into large-scale money if you are treating it as a business and trying to discover how to monetize and commercialize it you're at least thinking in the right direction now you need the focus and the energy
0: Now, before we close off, a lot of people who are rich are seemingly getting richer while the poor are getting poorer. What is it that they are doing to get richer in these tough times and what are the poor doing to get poorer? So,
1: Patricia, it's a a phrase that I actually use in several of my keynotes and books, and it is possibly the myth of the century. Um, and, and, And let me explain why. If you take the past 100 years, in fact, if you take the past 20 years, over the last two decades, we lifted the bottom billion people out of abject poverty. Now, we still have abject poverty in the world, and unfortunately, the lockdowns and the coronavirus uh, sort of stall and halting to business has done an incredible amount of damage to to global poverty. But the the narrative of the poor getting poorer simply does not match the economic reality of what has actually happened over the past several decades. Um, And it is important to understand, here's here's what's actually happening. If If you look at proper economic graphs, Um, The rich are getting richer at an accelerated pace. And there's no doubt about that. The gap is is widening. However, as a whole, the world's poor are getting richer too, just at a slower pace. So what we have, when people talk about differences in, um, they use the term economic uh, inequality, that is perhaps an accurate assessment in the sense that there is a growing gap. But the idea that the rich are going up and the poor are going down is actually economically untrue, and I think it's quite important to understand that one if you are struggling, because if you're coming from a background where where you look around you and and there, there are difficulties and there are daily struggles, it's so easy to internalize this idea that the poor are getting poorer and therefore give up trying. The economic data do not bear it out and therefore you should try. Now, I'm going to add a little sort of twist in the tail to that one, which is that South Africa is going through an exceptionally bumpy period right now. We are actually something of an anomaly. But globally speaking, the the trend is actually toward prosperity, uh, as unbelievable as it may sound.
0: Douglas, if uh, our A team is listening, want to get their hands on your uh, books that you have written, Mm. or if they just want to make sure that they follow you and they get inspiration and they are able to, to, to connect, how do they do so?
1: Sure thing. The um, uh, The easiest way to get hold of the books is uh, in any branch of exclusives will have it. Uh, they're available as ebooks from from Amazon. Um, but what I, I'm quite into audiobooks myself. In fact, I, I, I've taken to sort of walking to gym, listening to my headphones, and uh, I, I very rarely listen to music these days. I listen to audiobooks. Uh, and I've read all of my own books onto tape for the, the Audible platform. If you're after the one for entrepreneurs, how to avoid mistakes and so forth, the title to go for is Poverty Proof for Entrepreneurs. if you want the general one on wealth it's simply poverty proof and if you want the one that debunks the ideas around governments lifting people out of poverty the idea of the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer and other popular narratives that's the newest one which is simply titled how to grow rich Um, and i I do i would go the audiobook route i I tend to enjoy it myself Uh, and of course you can rather than having to reread a book you can simply listen to pertinent parts over and over again
0: uh social media platforms are you available
1: Oh, yes, I'm all over the show there. If you just type in Douglas Kruger on any platform, uh, my YouTube channel, Douglas Kruger, has um, uh, several hundred videos on tips and insights into wealth and so forth. Uh, but I will add one thing to that, which is in, in a strange twist of fate, Penguin, my my publisher, have actually just accepted a novel from me. Uh, so for the past couple of, um, I think it's a couple of months now, I haven't actually created new motivational content simply because I've been working on a, uh, on a novel that comes out in uh, early 2021. But the videos are all up there. Um, they're all free. And, um, you know, I try to sort of give as as honest and heartfelt an answer to every problem as i possibly can uh, so I, I do hope that it will be of, of use to someone and that something might go ping in the imagination and perhaps change someone's uh, course and trajectory
0: thank you so very much douglas i'm really inspired and uh, my thinking definitely has changed after this conversation have a such a great pleasure thank you thank
1: you and i'm glad to hear you made it to the studio safely i look forward to hearing what happened <laughs> thank you
0: douglas <laughs>